We have a live stream coming up. But we're changing it up. We're recording this one in the middle of the month. It's going to be a live stream bonus episode on December 18th, 4 p.m. Pacific. Or 7 p.m. Eastern. We're celebrating the Yuletide. But we're not talking Christian Yuletide here. You can find us on twitch.tv slash SWGhosts. And if you can't make it, Patreon listeners $5 and above will receive the recording on patreon.com slash sexwithghosts. We're drinking mold wine to keep us warm and fuzzy. So get your crock pot ready and fire the log. Because we're going back before baby Jesus. See you then. See ya. Okay, wait, hold on. I'm, I'm here. Yes. I'm, I'm looking at the map. So Goose Town Cafe is in the bookstore. And you're talking about High Ground Cafe or Brick's Cheese Shop? Neither. Okay, so then across the street is they painted oh, the Webster. The Webster, that's yeah, it. I was okay. like, it starts with a W, but it's not Washington. I've never seen this before. Never yeah, it is. It. Part of the reason I wanted to eat there because we were going to go to the Goose Town Cafe and from the street, I could see that there was an open kitchen at the Webster. And I was like, an open kitchen in Iowa City. I'm intrigued. I must, this could be a terrible mistake, but the food was actually pretty good. It's not, I think it, I think people are right <laughs> in the way they bitch about it. It's a little more highfalutin than it probably really is but that being said I think it could compete with a lot of Chicago places yeah it looks like it so then afterwards the after I slowly sipped my amaro after dinner like a complete normal person the bartender came up to me it was like we don't get a lot of amaro aficionados in here <laughs> I was like <laughs> I wouldn't go that far pal <laughs> Well, I just know I don't get heartburn when I drink this shit. Does it actually? But but I used I'm, to have severe, severe heartburn. I'm just skeptical that uh, an alcohol could. Yes, I agree. I do not disagree with your skepticism. I prior to drinking tomorrow, I had heard that about Fernet from people when I lived in the Bay Area. And I was like, you are full of shit. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. There's no way that makes sense. And then when I became a believer, it was like a birthday dinner, like a couple of years ago in Los Angeles, we went to John and Vinny's, which is like primo Italiano in, in uh, Los Angeles. Not that I even think that anyone who runs it is actually Italian, but they make really great pasta and pizza, like high end. And after dinner, for whatever reason, I can't even remember if I had like an inkling or what, but I ordered the Amaro and it was one of those dinners where I ate so much. I was having like pasta and pizza sweats and I'm like saying Hail Mary's under my breath. And I ordered the Amaro as like, this is just like a Hail Mary, I think sort of situation. Within 20 minutes, I was cured of the sweats and the fear that was there before. It was just like, it completely dissipated. And since then I have been preaching the gospel of Amaro's. If you're a person who suffers from heartburn, I'm telling you, and you drink, give the herbaceous 
liqueurs a try because that's a hundred percent why they've been made for centuries was with that end game in mind was for people suffering. I mean, it's a short-term cure. Okay. You're still going to have heartburn until you like, you know, really either change your diet or exercise, but you know, occasionally you have that huge meal <laughs> and you know, what's going to do to your system. Have a little tomorrow. Why not? Okay. Got it. <laughs> the story is intense. The DB Cooper. No. Oh, the tomorrow. <laughs> no, no. Um, the Webster chef. Oh, are you reading about their chef? Yes. I'm so I'm curious because he went to Iowa city. with ghosts i am bridget here with the bright bubbly ever optimistic keeping us going in a time when everything seems uncertain molly thanks bridget and today we are doing a topic that molly does not have the slightest idea about and that is D.B. Cooper. This was a request slash assisted podcast sent in by Craig Hart. Craig has probably one of our best number one supporters of all time. It's true. Not to say that we don't have other number one supporters, but you guys know who you are. And Craig said, you guys should do this, which I thought was genius. Molly said, I don't know who the fuck. Yep. Which made it more sweet. I think it's more fun sometimes when we do a topic that the other one's like, what the hell is this? And so Craig helped us with the research. So big shout out, big thank you to him. Um, if you like what you hear, you can follow him on Twitter at Craig Hart. Uh, that's C-R-A-I-G-H-A-R-T. D like dog, T like Tom. And he also helped us on our Bigfoot episode. So, and by helped us, I mean, did most of the research on that as well. So if you like what you hear today, you haven't heard the Bigfoot episode, I would highly suggest listen to that next. It's a good one. I enjoyed it. Now, I'll give you the introduction that Craig sent us. And then we'll talk a little bit about what we know about this topic. But Craig says there are many famous missing people, such as Amelia Earhart or Jimmy Hoffa. But D.B. Cooper is the only one we don't really know who they are. The crime this unknown figure committed remains the only unsolved air piracy in commercial aviation history. The D.B. Cooper hijacking happened at a crazy time in terms of the number of hijacked aircrafts between 1968 and 1972 more than 130 american airplanes were hijacked 326 worldwide sometimes there were more than one hijacking on the same day 
walking through metal detectors and having your carry-on luggage searched is something we didn't start until 1973. So that being said, Molly, please enlighten us on what you know about D.B. Cooper or maybe exactly what you don't know. I really don't know anything. I think that I may not have even heard the name until Craig mentioned it. I really, I, I, I think this is a glaring blind spot in my knowledge of history. I did know that there were quite a few hijackings in the late 60s and 70s because, you know, that was a pretty common thing. But besides that, no. I don't know what my first introduction to D.B. Cooper was. I think it was Unsolved Mysteries. But definitely in the last five or so years, I would say D.B. Cooper makes an appearance on that true crime podcast you're listening to. I mean, like Craig had kind of mentioned in his intro about it being so unknown about exactly who this person is. I think that has really driven the interest of the character or like, what does this person stand for? Like what kind of person jumps on a plane, gets a bunch of money, and then just completely disappears. Like that is mm, the stuff urban legends are made out of, but we have proof that he at least existed for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, I, I can't say I confidently remember all of the details, but I think our plan is for you to quiz me and see how much I really don't know. Yes, because I know nothing about this whole entire story. We're going to give Bridget a quiz about what she knows about this unsolved plane hijacking. And I do feel fairly confident that I may not actually do great on this at all. Even though after Craig sent us this special request, I did watch the HBO Max documentary. So there is a documentary out if you have access to HBO that doesn't spend as much time, what do I want to say, on maybe as much as on the evidence that we will probably comb through as much as on the possible people who will also talk about within this um, this is going to probably take multiple parts to talk about because there is the actual, this is how things happened that day. And then the, here's an interesting list of people who by friends and family are assumed to be the actual DB Cooper. Fun fact, everybody, November 24th of 2011, uh, this is coming out on December 4th. So that is just a mere week and a half ago marks the anniversary of the hijacking. So Bridget, what airline operated the plane that was hijacked by TV Cooper in 1971? There is options, multiple choice. I, I, I prefer, I prefer option. I, I'll take the options. Okay. That's fair. 
We have A, American, B, Northwest Orient, C, Pacific Southwest, or D, United? I'm going B because of how specific it sounds. Okay. Um, now, hold on a second. I feel like you wouldn't use Orient unless it was the actual name. Now, they are not giving me the answers right away, so should I just... Keep going. We'll give the score at the end. Okay, we will. What name was used by the hijacker when he bought the ticket for the flight? A, D.B. Cooper. B, Dan Cooper. C, David Bernard Cooper. Or D, Alice Cooper. B, Dan Cooper, right? All right. Is that the one that was? That was Dan Cooper, yes. How much money did hijacker D.B. Cooper extort from the airline? A, 1 million, 2, 200,000, C, 50,000, or D, 10,000? I feel like it's B or D. I kind of want to say B, but I keep saying B. That seems like a trick. I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't. Well, I don't know anything about this, but. It's possible. I, I wouldn't concern yourself with that personally. Like I could see it being a low number. Oh, I should know. Really? Is that, I mean, is that the whole, I guess I don't know anything about the story, but I, I'm surprised that that's what the story is about. Over $10,000 or like it would be over $10,000. Well, no, that is not that, that, that they would hijack an airplane for $10,000 is crazy to me. Right. But we're also talking 1970s still that's not a lot of money okay okay i'll go b i'll go b okay that's what i would say but i could be completely wrong and leading you down the wrong path i just remember i feel like it was something like 16,000. that's too weird i don't think that's it wait no hold on just to make sure you know what you're doing a 1 million b too high okay b 200,000. Okay, reasonable to hijack a plane. C, 50,000. Oh, 50,000. <sighs> or D, 10,000. Okay, maybe I'm going to go C. Okay, we'll go. That still sounds, uh, now I'm like, is that too low after, now you've planted a C. <laughs> don't, I'm going to see, I'm going to see, I'm going to see, I'm going to see. Probably wrong, but we'll go see. We'll go see. What weapon did D.B. Cooper show to the crew of the hijacked flight? A, a handgun, B, a bomb, C, a hunting knife, or D, a canister of poison gas. Bomb, which is great because like no one can say they don't have a bomb. (laughs) You're like, I guess I have to trust that this hot dog connected to wires. Yeah, that's, that's a little bit interesting. What equipment was demanded by D.B. Cooper as part of his hijacking attempts? A, four parachutes. B, a helicopter. C, a GPS device. Or D, an all-terrain vehicle at his destination. Parachutes, which is great because he was like, I'm taking everybody's parachutes so you can't come after me. Oh, I get it now. That makes sense. I was going to just ask why four. Does that make sense? What act of humanity did hijacker D.B. Cooper perform at the Seattle-Tacoma airport after his ransom demands were met? A, he released all the passengers. 
B, he designated most of the money to charity. <laughs> C, he apologized for his actions. Or D, he begged forgiveness from his mother. He let the passengers go. That makes a lot of sense. How did D.B. Cooper make the escape that evaded law enforcement authorities? A, no one knows. B, he disguised himself he disguised himself as one of the female passengers. C, he jumped from the back exit of the plane while in flight. Or D, he hid in the baggage compartment. D, got those parachutes for a reason, babe. I would hope so. But I could also imagine it's that no one knows because it's so mysterious. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I mean, by the end of it, who knows? We don't know. Maybe don't he never know. jumped. Who knows? No, he definitely jumped. What city did hijacker D.B. Cooper identify to authorities as his destination? A, Havana, Cuba. B, Bogota, Colombia. C, Managua, Nicaragua. Or D, Mexico City, Mexico. Oh, this is hard. Because um, I feel like it was Cuba or Mexico. And I sort of feel like it was Cuba because the United States was anti-Cuban then. So if you got to Cuba, you're kind of safe. Yeah, I'm going Cuba. I'm going Cuba. Okay, but I mean, does that mean he's Cuban or I don't think Cuba's just going to accept you? I don't think Cuba's not going to accept you if you say you hate the United States. I mean, maybe. I just would, personally, I would have, in my uninformed opinion, guessed a country that was not an island, but it's just me. I, I, I trust you though. Yeah, it didn't sound patronizing at all. No, I just that 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 was my guess. After making his hijacking demands, what unusual act did DB Cooper perform towards the flight attendant in his section at the rear of the plane? Gave her head. No, I'm just kidding. A he held a knife to her throat. B he made her put on a parachute. C, he slapped her to get her attention, or D, he tipped her for his drinks. Oh, interesting. What was the first one again? A, he held a knife to her throat. Oh, I feel like I, uh, this is hard because everything I remember about D.B. Cooper was that he was actually super friendly. But he might have done the knife thing because in a weird way, I was thinking before when you were like, what weapon did he have? And I remember it was the bomb. But then I was like, why do I feel like there's something about a knife? Fuck, I'm going A, even though it was probably he tipped her. Yeah, it does seem more unusual. It seems more usual that you would hold the knife to someone's throat. But at the same time, I have no idea. Nope, don't have any idea. What hard evidence was discovered by a camper in 1980 that related to the 1971 plane hijacking? They found the money. A. Oh, God. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. I asked Matthew to bring me a beer and then I got scared. Uh, a. A parachute hanging from a tree. B. 5,800 in weathered $20 bills. C. A deathbed confession by the real db cooper or d cufflinks that cooper wore on the flight yeah definitely b and we'll we'll go into details of most of the stuff 
in the quiz as we continue, but I'm pretty sure it's it's a B. Now that, that's the money. Oh my gosh. Okay, let's go with. Oh my gosh, this is very fun because we have the answers and we have what percent of people answered the question correctly. Oh, nice. So what airline operated the plane that was hijacked? It was Northwest Orient. Yay! And only only 41% of players have answered that correctly. So very impressive. To be honest, I did. Maybe I looked over some of not <laughs> while taking the quiz, but some of the information Craig sent us. Someone has to proofread this. Sure. What name was used by the hijacker when he bought the ticket for the flight? It was Dan Cooper. Yay! 49% got that correctly. How much money did he extort from the airline? I was correct. It was 200000 But that's what we picked. No, you picked 50000 I cowered. Oh, man. It's all right. What weapon did D.B. Cooper show to the crew? It was a bomb, correct? Yay! Um, to be fair, 200000 still seems low. Oh, yeah. No, I totally agree. I But it was, like, at the same time, a million dollars did seem too high. So it was like, eh, who knows? What equipment was demanded by D.B. Cooper? Yes, it was for parachutes. Yay! What act of humanity did the hijacker perform at the airport? Yes, he released all the passengers. Yay! How did he escape law enforcement? Yes, he jumped off the back of the plane. Yay! Ooh, D.B. Cooper did not... um... Is this the country? Yeah. What city did hijacker D.B. Cooper identify to authorities as his destination? It was not Havana, Cuba. It was Mexico City, Mexico. Oh, there you go. You were close. After making his hijacking demands, what unusual act did D.B. Cooper perform? You You knew what the right answer was. It was not held a knife to her throat it was tipping her for her his drinks oh man why do i keep thinking about a knife when i think about him maybe it'll come up perhaps so you know this is a good tip cooper paid his two dollar drink tab and insisted the stewardess keep 18 dollars per tip i mean you just took a bunch of fucking money it's the least you could do good point what hard evidence was discovered by a camper in 1980? It was the $5,800 in weathered $20 bills. Yay! You scored 7 out of 10. Which is average. Yes, it is average. It is literally <laughs> average. That is like... Uh... Too too confident in telling someone how average they are. Well, no, I mean only because the it says right here the average yeah. score for this quiz is seven out of ten. Uh, I'm just teasing. I am just teasing. So, what did actually happen that day? Let us tell you. So, November twenty fourth, nineteen seventy one. Molly, did you know this was Thanksgiving? That's not surprising to me. So this is a Thanksgiving story at heart. Oh, yeah, sure. It makes sense. Anyone's writing that screenplay. 
I mean, how I, I actually saw something online the other day. Like, there are no Thanksgiving movies. What are Thanksgiving movies? Yeah, it's planes, trains, and automobiles. And let me tell you this. This could one-up it, you know? Right comedians, right storytelling. we got a real life based on true life Thanksgiving story that isn't about a goddamn turkey or family. <laughs> but anyways... <laughs> This is in Portland, Oregon. In the afternoon, there is a person who has identified themselves as Dan Cooper. And they buy their ticket, as we mentioned in the quiz, at the Northwest Orient Airlines in this city and state. And he used cash to buy a one-way ticket on the Northwest flight 305 Found for Seattle, Washington. The ticket was $20. And if you wanted to know where he sat in the plane, it was row 18, which must have been a smaller plane, which seems obvious. That's the back of the plane, which is interesting because I wonder if that was like, I need to be in the back. Yeah. Or if it was just the last seat available. I thought this, um, Craig also thought this. How could you possibly buy a ticket without an ID? That's Are you kidding bonkers. Me? Really? In 1971, you could do anything. You go to a liquor store if you had a mustache. You you could do all kinds of things without an ID in 1971. They started wow. making us have IDs when they started. I mean, especially after 9-11, part of the racket of 9-11. But um. Yeah, in the 70s, that was like, you could be anyone you ever wanted to be. And even if you got an ID back then, you could much more easily lie about your identification when you got your ID, which is why felons always had like 12 different aliases across state lines. It's like, yeah, yeah, you just showed up. You said, I'm a guy somewhere. I have a social security number. Who cares? Give me an ID. And someone said, yeah, that sounds right. Here's your ID. I see. I don't, I don't for, for whatever reason, I know this is kind of insane and probably says something about my brain, but for whatever reason, I feel more comfortable knowing that a person is ID'd, even if they give a fake ID, the fact that they have to show it. Yeah, like because then I don't like it. I think see, it's I do. it's gatekeeping. It's like this whole thing we're going through with voting right now. Yes, yes, like yes. It's just I, another form of gatekeeping. I do understand that, and I do not think that voter ID. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, but I'm laughing because I did not. I did not mean to challenge how you feel politically. No, about the no, ID. no, no, no. I, I, I'm saying like this whole you need an ID for everything now. It's a form of. Being it able is. to find a way to charge people more money and to gatekeep. It's it like is. a joke. It's like we've made things so but, easily okay. manipulated. Yes, but there are certain things like flying on an airplane, like voting, you should be able to do because you are there. You are you are obviously no one's gonna fucking drive across the country to vote in 20 different states. Like that doesn't make any sense. If you're there, it's obvious you're there. You should be able to vote. Well, when you vote too, you're asked like 
a million different identification right? questions. So you can cross check. There's ways to cross check. Right. You can ask absolutely. But on a plane, like you have oh, the I, only I reason, the only reason I think it's important on a plane. On a plane. I don't think you should have a Greyhound ID. No, I, think that's I don't either. Super annoying. No, that's insane. The only reason I think on a plane it's important or interesting is because I feel like if you died on a plane, how else would anyone know you died on a plane? Yeah, for real. Like if you die on a Greyhound, okay, two things here. You got on a Greyhound, eh, you're at a certain level. People who need to know, no. Okay. Well, it's not like you're no, but you're not greyhounding across a body of water or something like exactly, exactly. But like on a plane, you would just disappear. Literally. I, I just personally, as a, a human being would prefer that all of the people on my plane be ID'd. But I also think what I think is annoying right now in terms of a person who flies a lot is I don't think, I think if you buy a plane ticket, you should be able to use that plane ticket however you want. So like if I bought a plane ticket and I gave you, this is the ticket, Molly, use my plane ticket. Oh, you sure. should be able to use my plane ticket. If you show up with my ticket and have your ID. So we know that Molly's on the plane. I agree. But you should be able to use a ticket. Whereas like now, if my name is off by one letter, yes. all of a sudden I'm getting felt up by like somebody who's already has a lot of career obstacles. Right. I agree. And, but like, we could also just to argue my point a little further, which really isn't necessary at all, but I just want to say it. Like we could just make it easier to get ideas. Like it doesn't have to be that difficult in the first place. Also- just- if somebody wants to change their identification, it's bullshit that we make them jumps through. Like, yes, yes there's yeah. scam artists, but I'm going to tell you, usually the identification of the old scam artist, that is post scam artist caught. People do not usually flag a scam artist because they got caught using different identifications more times than not this person gets in trouble and then we find out that they had 15 different identifications. Yes. You know what I'm saying? That's my, that's my super hot take. Okay. Chicago and Bridget over here. Oh God. Sorry. We went on a tangent about IDs. It's okay. It's okay. It's all content. So at about 3 PM shortly after takeoff, Cooper handed the flight attendants, Florence Schaffner, a note. What's funny about this is in almost everything I heard about Schaffner at this point in time. So this is like the seventies. So if you're a flight attendant in the seventies, you are a hot, hot oh, babe. Oh, sure. Yeah. And you are just feeding people drinks at this point. I think I'm mostly sure you can smoke on the plane too. So like, People are smoking, drinking, they're grabbing flight attendants' asses. So when a flight attendant gets a note, it's like, oh, cool. Oh, cool, 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 cool. You want to fuck. So when she first gets this note, she does not look at it at all. 
because she thinks it's one of those. Oh, great. This guy's been ordering 50 cent scotches and, and now he wants to do whatever. So she doesn't think anything of the note, but in his note, he did indicate that he had a bomb in his briefcase and wanted her to sit with him. And for the most part, everyone who's affiliates themselves with a hijacker at this point claims that he was a very like polite and calm uh, guest of the sky. And uh, I know he said, I said something about him ordering scotch. He was actually ordering whiskey and seven up and seven and seven, seven and seven. You know, the Beatles like seven and seven. Not surprising. It was in that. It was a little, I think it was in the get back thing. It was either in get back. No, it was in Hulu released a adjacent Paul McCartney and Rick Rubens talking about Beatles music. In case you're a Beatles freak, we did do a whole series on them. Anyways, and we might have actually talked about their drinks on that. But 7-7 was their drink. 7-7 is a drink of D.B. Cooper. Maybe one of the Beatles is D.B. Cooper. Ah! You think about that? Now, can I, I just want to make a quick complaint. Because while I understand that airlines don't want to serve alcohol anymore because of many, many reasons totally understandable. I get very sad when they don't serve alcohol anymore on planes. <laughs> you know who does for the most part, American airlines. I, but they, oh, I've been flying American over the pandemic and they have not served once. Are you flying in state or across state lines? Across state lines. Oh, I only ask because we went on we went on a short flight to Las Vegas and they didn't serve anything, but it was also like, we're going to Vegas. Why would they serve anything? But on my other American, anyways, sorry. I'm sorry. taking us down a hole. No, uh, no, that was my fault. I just wanted to complain about that because. No, that was good. Like I've heard so many horror stories about how people are treating flight attendants. That's like, yeah, you should stop alcohol serving. But like, what about us who like are not going to be out like terrible people i thought they just stopped serving it because of covid well i mean that's true too but if you're gonna start up your regular beverage service then you should also start up your alcohol that's just oh yeah and some of those diet coke drinkers are fucking freaks it's like old boomers who just want an excuse to not wear their mask now I I i did really appreciate that weird diet coke commercial uh, recently about how you should uh, respect your elders' love of Diet Coke. So, wow. I'm just going I off I on weird that. tangents. I, I liked it because I am a fan of Diet Coke. Uh, it's funny. Or maybe they do it because their secret to making it through this life is drinking and doing whatever they want. So listen to your elders. Drink up. So you pay $20 for the drink. Ask for no change. The flight attendant, Schaffner, described him as calm and polite, much like everyone else had also reported, and well-spoken, not at all consistent with stereotypes of a hijacker. So the stereotypes, as we mentioned at the beginning, there was a lot of stereotypes that 
that were or lost stereotypes, a lot of hijackers happening at this time. And so some of the common red flags of a hijacker or demeanor was that they would come across as enraged, um, as hardened criminals, which I think that reads as racist, but a statement being made. Uh, a lot of times it was, take me to Cuba, which obviously I made that mistake because that's how big of a stereotype that one is. Political dissidents and anyone who seemed, or these stereotypes, like I said, all being associated with someone who is going to hijack or air piracy of the time. Now, when they say hardened criminals, it could also just be a stereotype of a very like large tattooed white guy as well. Like there oh, is. Yeah. But I mean, like I, and when I call it racist, it's like, I feel like white people are operating a plane. Their idea. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying all flight attendants. Okay. I'm not saying all pilots, but. I do think when they say hardened criminals, it is racial profiling. Yes, it's gotta I, be someone who is a person of color who is angry. Sure. I, like, I totally agree. I just wanted to mention that as like a comment on like how we shouldn't judge anyone because there's still like people out there who may look like hardened criminals who are like just normal human beings that we and and DB Cooper. As far as what we actually know about him, is just like a nice white guy. So there are plenty of nice white guys yeah, that like yeah. to touch children and yeah. beat their wives. So, so there's no way to, yeah, there's no way to that's, judge. Yeah, the, the term hardened criminal is problematic, but it's one mentioned because it's one that they say, like when they're giving these eyewitness reports, it's like, well, you know, it didn't look like he'd served a bunch of time. Okay, well, what does a person who served a bunch of time look like to you as a white woman serving drinks on a plane? And maybe that sounds offensive to some white women out there, but as a completely 100% white woman, uh, yo, maybe we think about the words we use when we describe people because uh, there's a lot of bad people out there. That don't show their stripes, okay? And like some people will look like they're showing stripes and they're not real stripes. So relax. Wait, were you in Chicago recently? No, I think I just spent too much time with Mike. Yes, I think you did. So Cooper shows what looks like a bomb in a briefcase, which is so funny that we have to say looks like a bomb because there was probably no way to have apt aptitude to show that it wasn't a bomb yeah so it's like this i'm holding a potato it is a bomb you're like what do i do so he tells the flight attendant that what his demands are and then she gets up and tells him to the captain those demands are two hundred thousand dollars which we already talked about in but more specifically in non-sequential $20 bills and a knapsack, four parachutes, fuel truck ready to refuel. And they had to have it ready by 5 p.m. And he says, quote, no funny stuff or I'll do the job. The flight 
continues to Seattle to buy time to collect the money and the parachutes that the captain circles near Seattle. Okay, it sounds like to me that he wants to steal the entire plane. Do you, is that what happens? No, 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 no. Like, I, I think from my very expert opinion, after scoring 70% on that quiz, <laughs> I think he reasonably thinks he's going to jump off this plane. And wait, what- wait, hold on, though. Just to make a, he, he's asking for a fuel truck ready to refuel the refuel truck is or the fuel truck is to refuel the plane does that mean he's trying to he wants to steal the plane or that his idea is that the plane is actually going to stop and refuel give him all the stuff that he wants let the passengers go which we had mentioned in the quiz and then the idea is they're going to get up and fly again wow Okay. Which is interesting because oh, okay, you could have literally just stolen stuff. I mean, this is why, ugh, okay. I don't want to jump ahead of ourselves too far, but this is part of the reason why I think he has a legacy is that I am making demands to get the things I want from an institution. So, right. Like that money's going to either come from the government or the airline, but it's not coming from the other passengers and he lets the passengers go. So there's a bit of what people might say is like a Bonnie and Clyde or like a Robin hood sort of strategy to this, where it's like, it's not about fucking over other people who I consider are my peers. This is about fucking over the people who have the money. I want my damn money, Lebowski. (laughs) Does that make sense? I think so. But I think I want to hear the rest of the story before I continue to ask questions. So the flight continues to Seattle to buy time to collect the money and the parachutes and the captain needs a circle Seattle. Repeat that. The flight continues to Seattle to buy time to collect the money and parachutes. Well, to buy time. The captain does circles. Yes, that's that's Yeah. So passengers are told that they are waiting for the runway space clear because the passengers at this point do not have any idea that they've been hijacked. At this point, they think we're we're just landing. Um, What's funny is in the HBO doc that came out that mentioned earlier, is it like, they talk to one of the passengers and it's just so like, I don't know. Like flight attendants would be so nice to this guy. That's what I was thinking. I was like, who the hell is this guy? It's like, Oh dear. Okay. Relax. Johnny Casanova. Like <laughs> so funny. Like that's his relation that's- to all this. The flight attendants were too nice, too nice, too nice to a man. Everyone knows that women are only supposed to be so nice to a man. Otherwise, they're a slut. Anyways, Northwest Airlines contacts the bank to get the money together. The bank notes have already been photographed in case something like this would happen, which is funny. As Craig likes to point out, it's wild to think that the banks had piles of photographed cash lying around to be prepared for for ransom demands. And he wonders if they still do this today. That would 
I think it's very smart, though. It's very smart. Yes. Like, I'm not, I, like, damn, that's. I'm willing to say that not photographed, but digitally recorded in some way. Yes. So parachutes are located. Cooper rejects the military issued parachutes offered by McCord AFB personnel. Instead, demanding civilian parachutes with manually operated rip cords. Seattle police obtained them from a local skydiving school. Cooper saying, I don't want the military ones. Do you feel like that's a red herring? Something seems really sus if you leaned into the military. Oh, now I'm wondering. In part two, we're going to talk about suspects. So that's the only reason why I'm wondering what the difference would be well yeah i don't i wouldn't personally as an outsider see any difference if anything like i would trust the military parachutes more but well and that's the other thing i was just thinking if you're an outsider who hasn't been jumping from planes ever in your life or maybe you even have it just seems weird you would say i need the specific type of parachutes yeah, and I don't, I don't understand, but I think he's trying to send a red herring that doesn't make sense to us because we're both a not skydivers. Wait, 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 wait. So you're saying he knew that that would send a signal and that's why he asked? Yeah, I think oh. I think he either thought if I asked for something civilians can use. It means I don't know how to operate a military one. But then it's like, how would you know? What yeah, the that was different. Yeah, that's a poor red herring if it was one. Like, there's an onion here that yeah. I am not educated enough. True. I'm sorry, dear listener. No, I agree. I totally <laughs> to answer agree. for anyone. But I feel like he was trying to do something there. Sure. Yeah. So like the quiz, D.B. Cooper demands to fly to Mexico City, and there are very specific instructions to fly the aircraft at a minimal speed, slowing to 150 miles per hour with the wing flaps down and having landing gear down and under 10,000 feet. So at such a slow speed, the flight cannot make it to Mexico City. And it's negotiated to stop in Reno for the refueling that he previously demanded. 7.40 p.m., the flight takes off to go to Reno. So now we've stopped twice, right? We got the money and the parachutes. Okay, so you got the money and the parachutes. You've left off all the passengers except for the pilots okay so 7 40 p.m the flight takes off heads to reno two f-106 fighter aircraft from mccord air force base followed behind the airliner one above it one below are out of cooper's view allegedly seems like following our guy and seeing what happens a uh, lockhead t-33 Oh, sorry. Yes. How is that? Lockheed. A Lockheed 
TE-33 trainer diverted from an unrelated Air National mission also shadows the 727. Cooper demands the entire crew stay in the cockpit and communicates <laughs> with him via intercom. Pretty ballsy. Yeah. 8 p.m. between Seattle and Portland, the indicator lights show the rear stairway has been lowered. So that means he lowers the stairway. Oh, that fascinating. And oh. the flight crew does not hear from Cooper after this. So presumably he has parachuted away. Yeah. Well, and at 8.13, the flight crew feels a slight oscillation, indicating possibly there has been a weight change at the rear of the plane. So they also feel that weight difference. They know that the stairs have been lowered. There is a jerk motion in the plane. So you're like, weight's different. And then at 10.15 p.m., the plane is searched after arriving Reno, and there is no sign of the hijacker. So that's how they get the location, and that's going to be important as we start talking about suspects. And, for instance, the found money that we talked about in the quiz. So somewhere between Seattle and Portland. So that's very far northwest. The plane lands in desert gambling country otherwise just known as Reno and <laughs> clearly not there. And this is at 10 15, which is interesting. So he might, he two hours, you're flying two hours after being like, pretty sure that the guy is gone. You don't even go look and see if the guy's there. Well, just like, I, I, I don't, I don't blame them. I would not also, I would not recommend anyone else do that. If I, I would were. cheat, I know I would 100% oh, tiniest crack and no and as soon as you feel the weight change, if anything, if anything, I would open that up and be like, oh my god, are you okay? Because oh the the air is so crazy. We just had some turbulence. Are yeah, okay, but sir? no, 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 no. But the, the thing we all need to remember as <laughs> non as non-rich people is that you should not. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious about this. We should, you do not risk your own life for someone else's money. You just don't. As non-rich people, <laughs> you just put your head down and do the job. Yeah. Because, oh, no, because no. there's no, 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 no. Come on. You can do a little piece. No, but why? Why? <laughs> to save uh, the. Save Christmas. North, <laughs> Northwest Orient's bottom line. No. Stay in oh, that cockpit. True. It is no one's money. You might as well. Okay, that's very actually. That's a tremendously great point. It's not your money. This is kind of normal job disturbance, not even just the hijacking, but that sometimes you end up at a location that wasn't previously planned. So I'm going back. I'm saying Molly's right. I'd only look. Cause I'm a nosy Nancy, but Molly's <laughs> right. ultimately right in this. Ugh, yeah. So when they land, the briefcase bomb is gone. The cash is gone and the parach one parachute is gone. And so then people start looking for our friend DB Cooper. So we're going to go over some little trivia here. So as was kind of alluded to in the quiz, DB Cooper is the name that 
we refer to this guy who took the money in the sky and left. But D.B. Cooper was actually a mistake. The name given by the hijacker when purchasing the ticket was Dan Cooper. But a news agency found out that the FBI was interviewing someone with with the initials D.B. And so to eliminate suspects, they started using the name D.B. Cooper in their article. It was never D.B. Cooper. It was always Dan Cooper. Wait, so we're not even searching for D.B. Cooper. We're searching for Dan Cooper. As we said before, you don't even need an ID to buy a ticket. So you could tell them your name is literally anything. Sure, sure. So it's not, we're not searching for Dan Cooper. But at the same time, like, (laughs) to respect the hijacker's wishes, we probably should call him Dan that's a very good point so now when someone says db cooper at a party i will tell them they are not woke (laughs) thank you molly thank you so there's a phrase called the cooper vein and to this is our next fun fact here or miscellaneous trivia to discourage copycats from hijacking and then parachuting from the boeing 727 a device was added to prevent the rear stairs from being able to be lowered while the plane was underway, which very interesting because honestly, when would you exit a plane while it's right? flying? That's what I would, why was it able to be lowered in the first place? It but also like, why couldn't it be? Well, I don't know. I have a lot of mixed feelings about I this. I don't know. Like, I don't want a plane to be able to like, no, I don't want you don't want someone to accidentally push that fucking yeah. button. Yeah, exactly. Right because I I heard a story recently about how someone like opened up their emergency exit. I was like, oh Jesus, that's horrifying. Yeah, mm. terrifying. And they oh my god, we just flew and from Vegas, oh baby. And they asked the guy if he was okay with being in the emergency exit. And it was very clear he was watching movies on his phone already. Oh, no. Oh, no. And he was like an older oh, no. Gen Xer and just be like, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. And the lady being like, like exhausted, like, sir. <laughs> and then her being like, yeah, okay, sure. He said, okay. We all heard it, right? Anyways. Ooh, yeah, that doesn't, that does not make me feel safe. No. Everyone flies are morons and myself included. Uh, but I did say the emergency exit. So I would have been saving the masses. Um, while in flight, the airflow pushes against a metal vein. So this is the Cooper vein and blocks the stairs from being lowered. So that's where we get this new invention. So the name Dan Cooper, as we've talked a lot and how interesting the name Dan Cooper is. Well, guess what, Molly, whose mind is blown from what we should call the the hijacker. Pilot Dan Cooper takes part in adventures in a French comic book series. One episode published near the date of the hijacking, the cover illustration shows Dan Cooper parachuting. Since the comic was never translated into English, the hijacker may have spent time overseas, which honestly, when we were talking about like 
why would parachuting be normal? The Vietnam War is going on. I think the argument that Dan Cooper, i.e. D.B. Cooper, was a Vietnam vet is such a strong argument because he knows how to jump out of a plane. He knows how to use the parachutes. Knows enough about parachutes that he requests civilian parachutes instead of the military parachutes. Did you know, Molly, a huge part of the Vietnam War goes back to how Vietnam was a colony of France. Oh, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense now. Wow. Except for now I'm even more disappointed that Americans have changed it to D.B. Cooper. It should be Dan Cooper. That's clearly the answer. Clearly. I agree. I agree. And I think that would have probably changed a lot of how people yeah, I calling so. in their uncles and grandpas right. and dads and brothers. We'll get into that in part two. Another fun fact here is that in the small town of Ariel, Washington, it was used as an informal headquarters for the original manhunt. Since 1974, the Ariel store and tavern has held a D.B. Cooper party on the Saturday after Thanksgiving. That sounds enjoyable, and I wish I were there. It sounds better than what everyone likes to talk about is the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Have you seen those videos? No, but and remember doing it yourself. Exactly. No, I I grew up in the same town that I went to college in. And so the Wednesday before Thanksgiving is a very big day for people like me. (laughs) (laughs) A very horrible day that we wish should not remember. Oh my God, that's hilarious. I have nothing to add because I felt like that was very poetic. So in 1975, Northwest Airlines Insurer Global, oh, I'm going to say this wrong, Indemnity Indemnity. Company compiled with an order from the Minnesota Supreme Court paid the airline's $180,000 claim on the ransom money. Wow, that's pretty interesting. Can you explain to me why that's interesting? I mean, it's just it. That means that Northwest Airlines, the idea that they, which makes a lot of sense because what we're talking about with the idea that there was a lot of airline hijackings at that point. And so airlines were insuring themselves against that, which is good because obviously they get paid, but also like kind of horrifying that they had to, which. Do you know why I mean? they had to invent the TSA? But 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 the problem is like we all know the TSA doesn't stop anything. So no, they don't. Not really. I mean, they add more obstacles to the end game, which I guess is good because like I don't like the TSA, but I also don't like the idea that my airline might get hijacked. Yeah. yeah. So there's also been movie, TV, and song references. So the 2004 movie Without a Paddle revolves around a group of friends who search for D.B. Cooper money. But you can look up a list online for 
way more references. But I'm actually, oh my God, there's a, like, I am actually really interested in this, the references. I didn't realize, apparently, there's an episode in Loki, the series on Disney Plus. Oh, is that good? I enjoyed it. I've been thinking about watching it, but I haven't gone down. I I would, um, but I also like time travel movies, and I don't know how you. Oh, I like time travel. You like time travel? Oh, then watch Loki. Apparently, there's a reference to DB Cooper in that. There's also a reference in Drunk History. I'm a big fan of Drunk History. Oh yeah, there has to be a Drunk History of DB Cooper. The main character on Twin Peaks. Dale Bartholomew Cooper didn't know that, which is funny because it's in the Northwest as well. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And then also the unsolved mysteries that you were talking about. I have not seen without a pedal, though. Yes. And the unsolved mysteries will come up again. One more reference. Apparently, the Kid Rock song, Ba-wa-da-ba, contains a reference to Cooper and the stolen money. What? Who knows? Well, now I gotta look up bottom. Okay. <laughs> Let me look oh. this up. Where are the lyrics? Oh my God. So apparently, there's a lot of D.B. Cooper references. And Jesus Christ, there's a lot. I'm looking up this fucking kid rock song. This song is actually really dirty. <laughs> I don't even know. Nope, I don't want to know. The mountain ghost have a reference. No, 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 no. no one broke DB Cooper's fall. And MF Doom have a reference. MF Doom, he's like DB Cooper out with the moolah. Though I'm still very disappointed that no one's using the name Dan Cooper. Well, everyone has been using DB Cooper for a long time. And next week we'll talk more. So how do you feel, Molly? I'm interested in the story now, especially since I know all of these pop culture references. Though, so, yeah, I have no idea how this is going to play out. It's kind of interesting how people start shoehorning or maybe Shoe- realistically having people in their lives that fit the description of D.B. Cooper. But until we get into that discussion, Molly, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at MollyMM9. How about you? You can find me, same platforms, at Bridget underscore suck it. You can find this podcast there as well at sexwithghosts underscore. You could show support by giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That helps verify us as being a real podcast. And you can also show more support by going to patreon.com slash sex with ghosts and once we get 20 patron followers we will start adding merch baby because molly and i are already wearing it but until then adios friends bye
MF Doom. He's like DB Cooper. 